I would like to thank our Pastor Darren uh, for giving me the opportunity to share this message today. I assure you all very much this is a stepping out of the boat moment for me and I'm very humbled to be given the opportunity. My intention today is for us to enter in an exploration of what fear looks like and how God in his infinite wisdom and grace has given each of us tools to apply when we are facing fear. This has come out of my own cry to the Lord. Lord, tell me, you tell me not to fear. You tell me to be strong, but Lord, I need you to show me how to do that. So Father God, I just pray this morning for the message that you have given me, for the testimony in which you have given me in this area of fear. And to be able to grab that fear and turn it into faith. So, Father God, I pray this morning that as I deliver this word, I pray that our hearts be open. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you go before me. Let there be less of me and more of you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This message is largely testimonially based on real people, real testimonies, and a real God. It'll speak into fear, anxiety, depression, loneliness, stress and temptation. I'm not professing that I have all the answers, not even close, but what I do have is faith in the God who does. For the sake of time this morning, I'll be sharing scriptures without needing to go into their backstories. And the reason being, I want to bring them to highlight as promises given by God to hide it within our hearts. Firstly, I'd like to look at Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, I have not commanded you. Oh, sorry, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you, nor will he ever forsake you. Hallelujah. This morning's first testimony, I'd like um, to call up Andy Roberts. Thank you, Andy. Why don't you give him a hand as he comes forward? Now, uh, some of you would know, I'm pretty sure all of you would know that, um, what was it, maybe five or or six weeks or eight weeks It's been since um, Andy's dad, Peter Roberts, had a stroke. And this morning I've asked Andy to come and share with each of us because he really blessed me with his testimony of how he approached that frightening moment when he noticed that his dad was having a stroke. And what I want him to be able to share with you today, the testimony, the very testimony of what he did in that moment. Can I hand that to you, Andy? That's okay. So what I want to explain, what Andy explained to me, and with his permission, I've, he's given me this opportunity. He said that when that they realised as a family that Peter, Peter was having a stroke, this was a major stroke, they realised as a family that there wasn't anything in which any one of them could do. So what they did is they drew together And they they prayed. They prayed to their God. And when they prayed to God, they set their eyes and fixed them upon God. And God whispered through the power of the Holy Spirit to them, this is not Peter's time to go. 
Hallelujah. Holy Spirit met with them right in the time of need. He met with them. And then when I asked Andy, what did that make you feel like after you felt the Holy Spirit speak that to you? And he said, I felt peace and I felt hope. And that is the living, breathing power of Jesus living in our lives. That in our moment of fear and darkness and uncertainty, that when we call upon him, that he would meet us right where we're at. How did I go, Andy? I explained it all right? Why don't we give Andy a hand? Thank you for coming up, Andy. The next person I want to bring up is Eli. Now, I know that only a matter of weeks ago you heard Eli's testimony, and if there's any here that haven't heard it, I want to ask him a few more questions about that testimony. Um, Come forward, Eli. Just to give you a brief overview, um, if, you, if you're not familiar with Eli's story, on Labor Day we had a church family picnic and in that time um, Eli and a few others went kayaking <clears throat> in the Maritchie River there. And uh, while they were out there, Eli and uh, another got caught in the, the, the mouth of where the ocean meets the river. And Eli realised that this was a strong current and he wanted to turn around. But when he turned around in the kayak, he got flipped off the board, off the kayak. Very quickly, he realised that he was in a rip and there wasn't anything in which he can do. And so he succumbed to it. He just, he just went with it and allowed him to go. Yeah, so um, when I fell off my kayak, I, as Mum said, very quickly realised that... I couldn't fight this, so I um, let go of the kayak to try and get to the shore. Um, but as I realised that my strength was nothing, nothing compared to this rip, I went with it, preserved my energy, and just uh, treaded water to keep my head above, above, so I could still breathe. And I spent the whole time just in prayer and waiting with God, uh, total worship to Him, ready for whatever He had planned. If if I was to drown, I was ready for that. If I was miraculously going to be healed, uh, saved, I was definitely ready for that. Um, but, yeah, he was with me the whole time and, um, yeah. Eli, can I ask you, at that time when you realised that this was out of your control, that there wasn't anything you can do, and you decided to let go and just go with it, you must have been feeling fear at that time. Uh, yeah, I do remember at the start I was um, kind of a bit panicked, might be not the right word, but I was obviously yelling for help. Uh, my arm was raised uh, in the air, the emergency signal, fist closed, um, trying to signal people from the shore so they could get help or whatever. Um, but I couldn't do that through my own strength. That would had to come from God. So I was singing out, crying out to God, God, I can't do this. Help these people to see me. Help them to hear me, Lord. Um, I, this is hopeless for me, but for you, you can do all things, uh, is what I knew. Um, so I was waiting on him and completely um, trusting in him that he would come through and save me. Uh, and One of the things you mentioned to us, because obviously we've unpacked this a lot over, over the coming weeks, and uh, one of the things is um, after you prayed and you said, God, is this my time? And if it is, then I'm prepared to go, that I'm prepared to go to, to be with you. 
And he trusted God in that. And, uh, and that's with his very life. He trusted God with that. And then he started to look at, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Um, started to look at some of the dreams and the plans that he had for his future. And he started to pray those things. And as he prayed them out, and some um, unfulfilled prophecies that had been spoken over Eli's life, he started to bring that before God. And then quoted Jeremiah. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. So not only did he trust him, he was abandoned to himself and he trusted the, the Lord, that the Lord was with him. He turned around and he quoted scripture to him and he trusted him, no matter what the outcome was. Right? Eli said to us that he could no longer see, he was, this was off cotton tree, okay? You know how built up cotton tree is. He could not see any more buildings. He said the waves were so high, he said they were higher than our, our roof, which is a 10-foot roof ceiling that we have in our lounge room. The waves were higher than that and I couldn't see any more buildings. Give you an indication of how large and how mammoth that the ocean is. I mean, paint that picture in your mind of how big this is. This is a desperate, a desperate situation. Yeah? Yeah. Um, so when the waves were coming, I was swimming up them. Uh, they weren't breaking, but without swimming up them... Um, I would have uh, kept getting the water over my head. Um, and uh, at the time that I was uh, saved by a kite surfer, um, I was crying out to God, saying, God, do I stop? Do I just fall into your arms or do I keep fighting? I know that my friends were rushing, probably getting to, trying to get help, um, and other people would have seen me, but God... I can't keep physically hanging on. Do I give up or do I keep going? Uh, and then I said, Father, I don't want to bargain with you, but save me and um, I'll totally commit my life to you. Um, and right when I said that, I turned around uh, and the kite surfer, he was, he, he'd seen me. Um, and that was totally God. Like out there among these big swells that were constant um i wasn't wearing fluoro i wasn't wearing a life jacket um so for my head to be seen uh it was totally god uh and right at the last minute when i wouldn't have been able to keep going um that yeah god did it god did it and the testimony in which we hold today is that god saved eli's life but he was prepared to lose it for him he was prepared to lay it down for him. And the only way in which he could do that is by having the total confidence of who Christ is in him. That's the only way. He was facing a life and death situation, literally, a life and death situation. I wonder if any one of us were facing a life and death situation, would we be as confident as what Eli was? Thanks, Eli. What both Andy and Eli did was take captive of any thoughts of fear and anxiety they had and turn towards Jesus just as he commands us to do. By doing so, God replaced their fears with peace and hope and he promises to do the same for each of us too. Throughout life, we are going to have challenges. We will face fear, temptation, stress, worry, loneliness, grief and at times battle depression. 
I do not make light of any one of these emotions or feelings. They are not only real, but they can be debilitating to someone who is suffering with them. Some may have been battling years, so much so that they have accepted fear, depression, anxiety, grief, loneliness or addiction as their cross to bear, their lot in life. But friend, I want to say to you this morning, there is no peace there. However, with applying the right tools, I believe that we can begin to regain control of these emotions and feelings. Isaiah 54 verse 10 says, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. I memorized that scripture so many years ago and it has never left me. It was the longest one on the page of memory, memory verses for me to remember. And I was like, how on earth am I going to remember that? And it's the only one that I remembered at that time. And what I love about all of that, when it comes down to the very end, all the promises in which he gives us, he says, says the Lord who has compassion on you. He knows what in which we walk through and he has compassion for us in it. And if you'll bear with me, I'd like to share with you some insights that God has shown me and helped me um, with some of these issues in my own life. You see, before uh, Tim and I were married, I had a huge breakthrough in my life in the area of forgiveness. Um, we had been at a meeting and, and, you know, before then I was struggling because I had forgiven a wrong that was done to me. I could tell you when it happened. I can tell you exactly how I felt when I, I made that commitment and I, and I actually forgave this person. But can I tell you, for a long time after, any time I was around that person, I'd be agitated. <laughs> All they were doing was breathing. They weren't doing anything wrong. But in me, and, I, and the conflict and the confusion in which I had was, but God, I feel like I have forgiven this person. But then why am I still feeling confused? Why does it feel like I haven't? The breakthrough came for me is when God revealed to me that I had forgiven this person, but what I'm feeling is the effects of their pain. And now he wants to teach me how to manage that pain. It's real. It is real. Just because you forgive someone does not erase the past. But what God will do, he will help you to manage those emotions, those feelings and that pain. If you'll put some things in place with him. He has given each and every one of us tools. So the night before, this was the revelation I had. I was walking on cloud nine. I was super excited. There was a breakthrough in this area. God had answered me. He would cleared it up for me. The very next morning, I woke up with a start. <clears throat> And in that start, I was, I was hit with a thought. And I don't, I, I don't know what the thought was. But the thought was unnerving. And I, I, I leant over and I grabbed my Bible. When I grabbed my Bible, one of those mad dash efforts to God just speak to me, open it up anywhere. And of course, you can't see for looking. There's nothing jumping out at me. And oh, that's not going to work. So then I'm going, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I'm calling out for him. And this thought is cracking right into my head. And I thought, I've got to get up. I've got to get up. And as I got up, there was, I was walking in the battle, okay? So as I got up and I was saying, Jesus, Jesus, that's all that I could muster was Jesus, calling on him, trying to look to him and see through that. This thought, I, I likened it to like a tomahawk, you know, the little, little axes that whack like that. It was like that was shooting into my head, this thought. 
And then I was saying, Jesus. And then this thought would come. And I said, Jesus. And by the time I get out of that room, I was cowered down. Absolutely defeated. Almost defeated. And a whimpering was coming out. Jesus. Jesus. And this thought was bang. Harder than the one before. And then I started to worship I picked a worship song that just came to my mind and I just repeated it, the chorus over and over. And I was like a whimper. You could hardly hear the sound come out of my voice. And then bang, this thought. And I just kept repeating it. And then bang, repeating it. But you know what happened? As I kept repeating it, I became stronger. And the thought was still there, but it was getting less. And then I was getting stronger and then less and then stronger. And to the end, I was belting this out and I couldn't care who heard me. And then as I did that and I was fully worshipping God, then it went. And, you know, right from that very moment, I could not tell you what that thought was. Many, t- many years later, I've still thought about this and I haven't laboured on it, but I can't remember what that thought was. It's completely gone. And that very day, I tell you right now, the night before, God had given me a breakthrough, but the enemy didn't want me to be, be- um, set free. He wanted to keep me bound. <laughs> That's what he did. And what Jesus showed me was how I can fight the enemy by lifting my voice in praise. The lesson that I learned from this was be prepared ahead of time. For me, I wasn't prepared. But God in his goodness and grace, he walked with me. He never left me, even though I wasn't prepared. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The meaning of pretension is attempting to impress by affecting greater importance or merit than is actually possessed. Sounds a lot like Satan to me. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That is what the word of God tells us, that we are able to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. This thing cannot overcome us because he has overcome it. Amen. Let me say this. This is not an easy practice but a practice that becomes easier over time if you're prepared. So how do we get prepared? Firstly, recognise you're in a spiritual battle. We live in a world where in the last two years alone, we have been surrounded by uncertainty. The media has constantly stirred up fear in us about COVID-19. We have been socially isolated Many have lost their jobs, businesses and income. In the past two years, we have lived through bushfires and floods, living in a housing crisis, even the loss of homes for so many people. No wonder bouts of fear, anxiety, stress, loneliness and depression have reared up. The World Health Organization has said there has been a 25% increase of people suffering fear and anxiety in the first year alone of COVID, and I suspect that has only risen since. The enemy will use whatever he can to try and devour us. He will try and disable us for the kingdom purpose that God has for us, and he will use our minds to do it, but fear not. 
Because Jesus tells us in John, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. If you are being held captive by fear in any way, recognize this is a battle and one that will be uh, the, sorry and one with the right training that you can get a handle of because you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you you're not alone he who is greater is living within you number 2 the second way to get prepared is to take every thought captive anxiety speaks to fear and can take hold of you very quickly. It can go further down and down and take root to the point that your body starts to react. Have you ever caught yourself overplaying a, a disagreement, an argument, something that was said that you were offended by? Overplaying that in your head. And as you do, you start contemplating, oh, I should have said that. It makes me so mad that I should have said that. Well, that person said that and that really hurt me. And I don't know what to do with it. And then what happens, your body then starts to respond. You start to get angry. You start to get tense. That is letting a thought take root. That's what it means. You have entertained a thought. And by entertaining that, it gets deeper and deeper to the point that our body and our lives respond to it. So we need to be aware. So it's vitally important to recognise when it begins. If you can see it, you can grab it. And replace it with scripture. Don't let it fester. Don't let it sit there. Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The Bible tells us repeatedly, repeatedly, we can take control of our mind with tools God has given us. Now you may be sitting there thinking, she's got no idea what I've been through or what I face. And you're right. It's not easy. It's downright hard. And I don't know what you're going through. But the God of love and mercy does. And he has provided you and me with what we need for the battle that we face. So I'd like to challenge that thought. I challenge it because the enemy would like nothing more than to keep you bound. But God wants to set you free. Jeremiah 29 verse 11 says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Amen? Point number three is memorise the word of God. Jesus tells us in John 10 that the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy and have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The enemy will try, but he has already been defeated. So take heart. God wants us to live life, not only live it, but live it to the full. Don't be caught out as I was caught out when the enemy tried to torment me. Get prepared. Be memorising scripture. Prepare a Christian playlist of worship. Write or print out pr promise verses. And if you're just starting out in this practice, can I encourage you not only to write them out or print them out and put them away in a book, 
Stick them around your house. Stick them around where you will see them and you will be reminded. If this is something that you need to put into practice, it's going to take time. It is going to be hard and you're going to be challenged over and over again, but you need to be prepared. And this is how to be prepared. Practically speaking, five years ago, almost to the day, I was going for breast cancer surgery at the Royal Women's Hospital. You know, at the time, my mind was in a good place, all right? I was trusting the Lord in that. And, uh, and no matter what the results came back as, I knew that God would give me the capacity to be out and my family the capacity to walk through whatever we may be facing. But can I tell you the times when I was vulnerable was at night, when it was quiet, when I was still. That's when the enemy would come around. And I began to get fearful but the fear wasn't just about cancer. The fear was I was afraid to be at home, in my, safe in my own home. Fear of um, all sorts of fears. I can't remember what they were, but there was a whole lot of them. The whole point of it is, is it took root. It took root and then it was spiralling out of control. And when I realised that a pattern was forming, I got proactive and I did something about it. Before I went to sleep every night, I would read 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I kept it open. I recited it. I kept, sometimes I might speak it out, literally speak it out and hold it within my heart 10 times in a row. And then I'll go to sleep. Before I went to sleep, I'd leave it open right next to my bed. So if I woke up through the night, I would turn straight to it. I was getting prepared. Getting prepared ahead of time is the key to being prepared for this battle. Number four is choose your running mates. No soldier goes into battle alone. They train with each other. They share and encourage each other to go further than they thought they could on their own. And they look out for each other. They have each other's backs. They need each other to survive. And as Christians... We ought to take this just as seriously. We need people. Hebrews 10 verse 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 9 to 10 Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to, who, to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to help him up. Proverbs 12 verse 25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Pray and choose your running mates to walk your walk alongside you. People that you can count on, that are spiritually strong, ones that will support and encourage you, some that may be a little bit further advanced in their Christian walk than you are, that you can glean from. Running mates that you can call or text when you're facing a struggle. Sometimes just the knowing you're not alone in the battle and that somebody is praying for you is enough to carry you through it. There is strength in numbers. Why don't you look around you this morning? As we look around this room, there's, there's an army of people sitting right here 
And this army I want to encourage you is your spiritual family. You are not alone. You have an army of believers ready to come around you. When we join together and one falls, these people, your spiritual family, the troops, round and rally around you. They hold the ground. You will not be left alone in your fear and your grief only if you reach out. Proverbs 27 verse 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. More recently, I drew on the strength and wisdom of another to walk me through a dark place. In my own strength, I was being consumed and distraught. I needed help. <laughs> the night that Eli nearly died as a parent, my side of that story, we got home and we, we, we talked, we shared, we explored our emotions and our feelings, our fears, the things that each one of us, the four of us, expressed and felt, and um, we prayed together. As you can imagine, it was a pretty traumatic experience and something that was exhausting to go through. <clears throat> After I'd put the children to bed and they were asleep, and Tim and I were in bed, and I drifted off to sleep, we were just sheer exhausted. And as I fell asleep, I, ha I, don't, I don't think I was asleep for very long, but I woke up with a jolt. And I was wide awake. And I thought, I want to go and check on Eli. And as I came out of my bedroom door, as soon as I opened the door and walked into that room, can I tell you, the air was different. It was thick. It was heavy. And then the thought came into my mind, you could have lost him today. This could be a very different day. And as I went to Eli's room and I saw him asleep and he was jolting in his sleep, I'm thinking, what is he thinking? All I could think of is these huge dark waves and there was my boy, my child, in the midst of it. And as large as the ocean is, he could have been lost so easily. And I began to quietly sob over him. I was stricken with grief. And I walked out of the room and I made it just into the lounge room and I was, I was surrounded and I was stricken. I was sobbing and I felt the enemy was lurking. He was lurking and he was like a viper striking me and I was depleted. I didn't have anything so I went to my running mate. I went into the bedroom to Tim. As I entered the room, he, he woke up and I said, Tim, we could have lost him today. We could have lost him. He could have died. And as I was pouring out my heart to him, my husband comforted me. And I began to settle and he prayed over me. He prayed over my mind. He prayed over my spirit and he prayed peace over me. And I settled and I fell asleep. And I slept soundly the rest of the night. In the morning, I woke up and I had a ton of errands to do and I got about doing those errands. But just under the surface was still the emotion. That night was a Tuesday. That night we had a prayer and praise meeting here and the last thing I wanted to do was be around people. It's another subtle attempt for the enemy to take us out. 
I didn't want to be around people. <laughs> Eli, on the other hand, he was okay. He wanted to come and be around his church family and he came to the prayer meeting. I did, however, tune in online. And when I tuned in online at home, I then began to turn my vision and turn my focus and I put it on to Jesus. And as I did, even now as I'm saying it, the weight is lifted. <laughs> because as I did, my focus changed, my spirit changed, my heart changed. It had gone from the grief that I was experiencing about something that did not even happen, but I walked it. I'm telling you right now, it was real, it was palpable. And that's what some of us are facing right now. I'm telling you this because I understand what it is like to walk through something and it is real to you. You are right in the midst of it. But when I turn my focus upon Jesus, when I've shifted my gaze to him and I look to him, it lifted. And then what I felt was nothing but joy and excitement about the testimony of the life saved. That is the power of what God can do. We need to be prepared. In conclusion, we will all have troubles. And in this life, that's for sure. The issue is, and the question is, is how will you choose to respond to those troubles? Will you be seen as bowed down and overcome by those troubles? Or will you be triumphant in Jesus? We need to be prepared ahead of time. Recognize that you are in a spiritual battle, taking every thought captive, memorizing and knowing the word of God and choosing your running mates for the battle in which you face. It's not going to be over until we meet with Jesus in heaven. The testimonials shared this morning all face fears of some sort. Each one bore the testimony of turning fear into faith by God's grace. It is inspiring the immediate response that both Andy and Eli had when the, each of them faced fear. For Eli, he faced a life and death situation and he had the total confidence of where he was in Christ and who he was in Christ and that if he were to die, he would go to heaven. This morning you may be here and you may be not sure that if you were to die, if you were faced with life or death, are you sure that you would go to heaven? If that's you, while every eye is closed and every head is bowed, I want to tell you that you can be certain this morning. I'm going to ask you if you haven't made a commitment to the law before, if you haven't given your heart to the Lord, then this is your moment to do it. Or maybe it's recommitting your life to the Lord. If you're asking that question, well, I'm not sure. Then I'll just ask you to raise your hand just quietly, just for me. I'm not going to embarrass you or bring you out. But I don't want to see you bound anymore. And nor does the Lord. So this is the beginning of breaking through. So if that's you, then just raise your hand just quickly. Just put it up and put it right down. For any others, you may be facing situations right now that is all-consuming, 
you may feel surrounded and even at times feel helpless, then I want to give you an opportunity to come before him that is greater than us. Something that you may have been working through for years and maybe you have come accustomed to just living with it. But that's exactly where the enemy wants us to stay. He wants us to stay bound. There is no peace there. And by looking toward God, it will not be a quick snap change. But I assure you, the testimony of my own life is that when I have applied these things, the change has come. When I sought him and not looked at the situation and magnified it, I looked to him and he he made a way for me. And if that is you, then the Father would say in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Thanks, Eli. If you can... I'm just going to play a song right now. And I'm just going to ask you to search your heart before the Lord.